Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. All right. I just want to get something out the way. Because resting right now rules. Bang. I just can't stand all this back and forth when one company hits a home run. Because all of a sudden, a bunch of people go, oh my gosh, the other promotion is now in trouble. What are you talking about? If you put your tush in the chair right now and you watch some professional grappling, all of it is pretty damn spicy, if I do say so myself. Maybe we should stop yelling on social media and just be like, wahee, wahoo, and enjoy it. Nice. There's my little soapbox rant to start this show. Hello, my name is Simon from What Culture. We did just have another wrestling show, so I'm taking my finger of power, the fop. That is not a euphemism, but I give it the good bits and up, the bad bits are down. Brian Danielson started this week's episode of AEW by returning to the damn thing, and he is still Solid Snake. I'm a little bit worried his eye isn't healed, but come this Saturday, he is getting into the Continental Classic. And speaking of that tournament, flub me, I absolutely love it. Because the fact you do have points, and the fact you have people trying to get to the top of a league-like structure, means you just get stories organically. Because if you do walk into the thing, it's like, well, I need to win, otherwise other guys are going to get ahead of me. So it's sports! That's all it is, it's sports. And this time, we were kicking off with John Moxley versus Jay Lethal. I was like, you damn right. However, the big takeaway from all this is that Jonathan Moxley could be totally screwed because while he did get the victory and he is now up to six points, his leg is totally broken. I mean, I'm exaggerating, but it doesn't look good. I mean, Jay Lethal was applying the figure four instantly when they kind of rolled out of the ring, but even then Lethal had a plan. He was like, ha that guy does have a walking device and I'm going to try and snap it. It was even worse because Mox went for a dive and he landed on it again. Even Brian Danielson was like, well, that didn't look very good at all. If I were him, I would be wobbly-jubbly. Lethal also recognised this, and he was trying to pull the damn thing off. And you may go, Simon, that would never happen. Oh, yeah? Recently, I saw one man drink another man's blood. And I saw CM Punk return to WWE. So from now on, I'm never saying never again. My absolutely favourite part is that Lethal went for the lethal injection, but Moxley turned it into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment, the surprise roll-up. So Jay tried it too, but because they're two experienced cats, they know how to get out of this. They'd fallen it before, not now. Lethal then continued to punt Mox right in the leg, which was a little bit mean, but he was basically paying possum here when he gave him the Death Rider, and he locked in that choke, meaning Jay Lethal had to tap out. But again... When Moxley was leaving, it's a bit like, don't look at me, I can't walk. It also means if you are taken on Moxley in the next round, you just have to listen to the Karate Kid and sweep the leg. So I enjoyed this muchly because, again, there's just so much you can situate around it. It's why we should make this a yearly thing. It is getting it up. And then Eddie Kingston did what he always does. 
That's flubbing amazing. Because he talked about the fact that maybe he went into his match with Brody King a little bit too cocky, and now he is falling behind, but his next opponent is none other than duh, 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 solid Brian Daniels. It just means that he is going to have to get the victory, although Brian responded to this on commentary by being like, oh, well, who doesn't understand that I also need to catch up? And that's all it took. Two dudes yelled at each other, and I totally believed it. And look, I wanted to see that match anyway, but now, my word. Plug me in. We then also learned that come AEW Revolution in March 2024, we are going to hold it <laughs> in the Greenboro Coliseum. And I suppose we are doing that because Sting is going to retire. That is pretty damn nice. Tony Schiavone also told us this news when he welcomed in the Stinger and Ric Flair. Even Sting was like, well, would you look at this? 30 or so years ago when I started my career, we were all together and it's still going strong. Flair then went on about how great this is going to be. My only worry here is that some people are fantasy booking online saying, oh man, we should have Ric Flair turn on Sting, and that should be the final match. Look at me, right in my eyes, and at my shiny bald head. Please do not do that. I wouldn't be able to take it. When it was back to the Continental Gold League, <laughs> look at me, I totally love it. And we got more tales as well, because it was Mark Briscoe versus Rush, and when they had their first match, they both lost. So they looked at each other, they were like, I know what we should do. We should just punch each other as hard as we possibly can. That's what they did. I mean, as soon as the bell rang, they just started throwing the punches of doom, the classic pot, where Rush just booted Mark Briscoe right in the back. I turned into like a schoolyard person here. The hell is a schoolyard person? But I was like, that was really mean. He also then threw Briscoe into Barry Barricade, so that was it. I was like, I'm on Mark's side now. When Mark Briscoe also did it. So I was like, right, you know what? I hope you both lose and hope none of you get any points. And that was kind of crazy because he suplexed him into bears, which looked horrible, when he dropped that elbow off the apron right into the floor. We don't talk about this enough. Is essentially taking your body and hurling it into concrete. I mean, you can't fake that. It's not a thing. They then smashed each other with clotheslines so they were both down because Briscoe's gum had fallen out of his mouth. He grabbed it and he just put it back in. That made the commentators go crazy. But look, it's totally fine. He obeyed the five-second rule. Rushton was going to hit the bull's horns, but Mark came flying out the corner with a spear when he went atop of Tina the Turbuckle and he hit the froggy boat. And I tell you, he got a one-two-oo, but I totally bought that because, again, it is a round-robin tournament and anybody could win. Sometimes they should, but he didn't. Instead, though, he went for the J-Driller when Rush was like, nah, and he helped him right into the turnbuckle, which also looked gruesome when he hit the craziest bull horns you've ever seen and he got the one, two, three. Brian Danielson was going crazy over this. It's his style of wrestling. It also means that it's three points for Rush, but Mark Briscoe is still on zero, so now he has it all to play for. I don't want to keep repeating myself here. Like a broken record, I'm just going to give it an up. This is the best thing AEW's done in ages. And speaking of that, it was the same for the next segment. Here was timeless Tony Storm. Because City had hunted her, Mariah May, and Luther down, Tony Storm was a little bit upset here because she had gone out partying with the Kennedys and now she has a touch of gout. I mean, you couldn't do this any better. She was also annoyed that her acceptance speech got interrupted last week and wanted to know why. I was like, well, I know why. It's because you're in wrestling, my dear. It happens to everyone. Titty then wound her up a little bit by saying, are you slightly concerned you do have to defend your championship last week? When she was all like, was Fatty Arbuckle concerned in the past? And a bunch of other Hollywood starlets. No, I don't believe they were. 
So I'm not going to be either. Storm then asked RJ to remove her shoes, as Taz told us that gout is no joke, which made everybody laugh. And also, when her feet were exposed, there was a slight pop in the audience. So I want to be that guy, but some of you are a little bit freaking dicky. Anyway, this is the best gimmick on TV, and I find it so damn entertaining. When it was finally time to discover what is happening with Maxwell Jacob Friedman. He's not up there. Now, he had tweeted and deleted in the week that he's working with a torn labourer at the moment. But given what happened here, he has now worked me into a frenzy. But either way, when the World's End's pay-per-view does arrive, he is going to fight Samoa Joe. Maxwell started to talk about this guy as well. And he was all like, look, I don't particularly like him. But when it comes to professional wrestling, do I respect him? You bet your ass I do. I mean, he came to AEW to try and help the promotion and not just for a paycheck. And when MGF was a child, he got a poster in the mail and it talked about TNA. And when he tuned in, who was he drawn to? AJ Styles. <laughs> I'm kidding. Of course it was Samoa Joe. Max then dropped in the fact that even in WWE, Samoa Joe should have been the world champion, but that didn't happen. And the crowd were like, oh my gosh, he is right. And let's not forget, he paved the way for guys like MJF because he doesn't look like a bodybuilder. He still climbed to the top. Maxwell then spoke about all of the wrestlers he has defeated, including CM Punk, Kenny Omega, and Chris Jericho. And even though he did get the one, two, three over Samoa Joe, really, if he's being honest with himself, he didn't see it as much of a win, and instead, he basically survived. Therefore, at World's End, it's all about his own legacy, because can he defeat the final boss for a second time? I was like, man, that's a good line. Joe is also going to have to kill MJF if he wants to take his championship. When the lights went out, I was like, seriously, AEW, why don't you pay the bill? However, as it turned out, this was a big old jumperoo, because when they came back on, the devil and his boys or girls were here, and they started to kick the crap out of MGF before who came out to make the save? It was Samoa Joe. I mean, who were you expecting? Repo Man? I know me too. All of a sudden, this went full on text RPG as well, because some words appeared on the screen. I guess I'll just read them to you. In the shadows, our game begins. Next week, MGF and Samoa Joe, will you face the unknown in a tag team match? Are you a hero? Max, the flub is that? Now, Samoa Joe didn't actually want any of this because he wants MGF to be 100%. But after Maxwell had said he is done with this Scooby-Doo nonsense, he accepted the tag challenge. I was like, oh, well, I guess we know who it is now. I didn't think it was going to be Shaggy and Cole. Joe then basically threw a tantrum because, of course, now he is going to have to do this next week. And I thought this was totally great because, like I say, it has worked me like a baker, whatever the hell that means. Because if MJF is going to be in a tag team match, is he actually injured? And who on earth are they going to be facing? And they got even better because right after this, Wardlow had a match. And I don't want to be that guy. But if you looked at his hair, and admittedly I'm not an expert, it did look like it had been messed up he had been wearing some kind of a mask and maybe a hood. So I am totally invested and I think AEW has totally smashed this. And of course, the reveal needs to be somebody amazing. I kind of hope it is Mustafa Ali because I think he deserves a big opportunity. But either way, I just want to enjoy things week to week. And this has me totally intrigued. I'm giving it up. And then yeah, Wardlow murdered AR Fox. Shouldn't have spoken to him last week. Now to be fair, Fox was ready for this because he dove on Wardlow straight away because he knows the deal. Then they got in the ring and Wardlow tried to kill him. As soon as the bell rang, Fox went for a springboard. But you don't do that. Because <laughs> Ward just caught him and basically hurled him into the ground. And if I was the referee, I would have stopped it there. But he kept it going. Now, Fox actually was able to escape a press slam. And he hit the 450. But do you know what Wardlow did? He kicked out at one. 
and he just larried this guy's head off. He hit the bombs of power, and by that point, the official was like, yeah, you can't keep doing it to the guy. Done. I really like this though because we did talk about it seven days ago. It's all well and good Wardlow being in squash matches with people we don't know, but he had to take out somebody who had name value. AR Fox ticks that box. I'm also convinced that he is helping the devil now too, and he should be doing that. He's not a fan of MJF. Once again, we do need to pull the trigger soon, but as for now, I'm- Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Excalibur was then reminding us what a terrible injury Donde Martin had had, but that's why the next match was so special, because it was Top Flight and Action Andre taking on the Hardy Boys and Brother Zay. And I just thought to myself, this makes me feel warm and fuzzy in my tum-tum. At one point, I didn't think he was able to gonna come back, and he did. The crowd also went nuts for Dante, which I thought was very, very cool. And basically what we did here is we all tagged in and tagged out so everybody could square off with everybody else. It's basically just one big loving. Eventually, we did get the tag to Dante Martin and two. He just flew around all over the place. This is when I remembered, yeah, he does this so easily. And I can't even get out of bed in the morning without falling on my face. Matt Hardy then tried to twist the fight action Andretti, but that's when he got the proper hot tag to Dante Martin. <laughs> he just went absolutely wild. And you could feel the good atmosphere in the arena coming out of the TV. Made me feel nice in my tootsie toe. As he turned out, the brothers, they did have a plan. Because he was like, Haha, I'm going to have these guys smash into each other and go for the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. But once again, it just wasn't working on this evening. Maybe that's because it was going to work very well later. He also used Jeff Hardy as a platform to just dive onto everyone, but you could see where this was going to go. And we got a snap suplex when Dante Martin was like, ha watch this new thingy, sweet slam thing I've got. And he walked the one, two, three, when he celebrated with his brother, and he celebrated with action, and all of this was just absolutely fabu. So basically, it was just a way to remind you how good they are and to get them into the trio's division. And after this, when they were being interviewed, who interrupted them? It was Penta, Commander with a K, and none other than for Kingo. Can you imagine how crazy that match is going to be? Kind of scares me, to be completely honest. Up. When it was time for Julia Hart to continue her very, very good 2023. And she was defending her TBS title against Emi Sakura here. So once again, it's one of these random AEW matches. But I actually had an epiphany this week. I was like, okay, well, that's just what All Elite Wrestling is going to do. They're going to take one competitor and another competitor and just say, why don't you go out there and fight? 
When you accept that, it's perfectly cool. Now, of course, when it comes to a championship, I'd always prefer it to have a story circulating around it. But in terms of a random Wednesday night on Dynamite, no problem at all. Takura was also allowed to pick the stipulation because it was under house rules and she chose no submissions. So she's a really smart cat because what has Julia Hart been winning with the entire year? The Heartless. Sometimes the mood's off. It also meant Emmy could go chop crazy, which would be a good name for a restaurant, but it didn't work for that long because Julia grabbed her, just threw her out of the ring. I'll do it. Sakura's pretty durable though, so she hurled Hart into Simba the Still Steps when she got her back into the squared circle and she was trying to bake her back. I mean, she was hitting backbreakers. She also went for a moonsault, but totally missed. So I was like, what was you thinking? And because she was there laying prone, Julia locked on the heartless. The ref was like, you're such a goober. What did I tell you? It's no submissions, let her go. It was actually totally fine though, because as I told you, she also hit the salt that is a moon. So she did that. And it always looks so great and terrifying at the same time. And she got the one, two, three. So there's no if, buts, or maybes anymore. When you're talking about wrestlers who made 2023 their own, Julia Hart fits right into that category. She has smashed it. It's getting it up. RJ City was then chatting to Mariah May in the back. I don't think Tony Storm is going to like that. She was thanking City as well because he did get her hooked up with Tony Storm. RJ was like, don't worry about it. That's just what I do. When Mariah started flirting with him. Once again, I was like, man, I don't think Tony Storm's going to like that. It worked though because she worked up the courage to knock on Tony Khan's office door and she went in there. So what's going to happen now? I mean, probably she's going to get booked as a wrestler. She's going to win a bunch of matches and then find herself with a title opportunity. Or at least that's what my prediction is going to be. When it was the Attitude Era again, I tell you, I've got no problem with this. Because Christian Copeland and Adam Cage were finally going to get into their nitty gritty. And these two dudes are just next level performers. I mean, this was engrossing and captivating stuff. Cage came out surrounded by security too when he told Adam Copeland to join him and to play some kind of a mind games. He kept him waiting and waiting and waiting for eventually we did get blah, 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 which is my impression of Alter Bridge. Christian instantly said that it was AEW management who told him the security had to be out here. So I was like, <laughs> you're such a liar. Although then actually he did tell them to go away. Well, let's face it, wrestling security guards are pointless and bald. Cage then mentioned how Adam had challenged him to a TNT title match next week, but that's not going to happen because he has finally had an epiphany. And no, it's not because Nick Wayne and Luchasaurus slash Killswitch have been taken out. I mean, I can see why you would think that, but it's not true at all. Don't look at me. I mean, he even apologized to Copeland and said after he had lost his boys, he went for a long drive and that's when he realized he shouldn't be fighting Adam because when it becomes professional or personal, they have the most amazing history. I can see what you are doing here, Christian. You are emotionally manipulating. I mean, he even talked about their early days and how they used to drive around in Toby the Taurus. I was like, Christian understands how you name inanimate objects. When he brought up the fact that Adam Copeland was raised by a single mother and didn't have a father. Felt it in my tum tum straight away. I was really scared. It kind of tied in though, because he was like, Adam, I am your brother, and my real father was also your father. We looked after you, and he was your biggest fan, and he still is to this day. And don't forget, when your mother did pass away, she told me her final wish was for us to team again. I was like, Christian, you are the worst person ever. Also the best. It was brilliant though, because as soon as Copeland kind of stepped away to contemplate this, 
Christian got the TNT title and went to smack him in the head. And Adam was like, you ain't getting one over me. He booted him right in the penis when he got the microphone. He just said, nice try, jackass. That was really well delivered. We also got to confirm that we are going to get the TNT title match in Montreal next week, which is going to be absolute fire. When Copeland got right in his face and said, oh yeah, one last thing, go fuck yourself. I was like, what a full circle moment that is. So this really is brilliant, which is no surprise given who is involved. And I cannot wait for that match. Like, even if I was in Timbuktu, I would find a way to tune into Dynamite because I want to see Adam Copeland versus Christian for the TNT Championship. If this isn't one of the matches of the year, you can come and shave my head, giving it an up. One of the best things on the show. And speaking about great things on this episode of Dynamite, it was then another episode of the Continental Classic Swerve Strickland versus Jay Lethal. I mean, somebody give me a kiss. What? We went full on tease with this as well because the commentators kept going, don't forget, we do have 20 minute time limits in this match. What's that, a 20 minute time limit? Oh my gosh, we're getting to the end of the 20 minute time limit. And this would have made all the sense in the world because you don't really want Swerve Strickland to lose and you don't really want Jay White to lose. So why not take advantage of that draw? But we didn't do that and basically at the last second, who won? It was flubbing swerve. Prince Nana also returned here and he's dancing, even though he does have a cane. And in the early going, Strickland grabbed Jay White and threw him into Barry Barricade. So I was damned. But you wouldn't do this to another dead guy, would you? And Swerve also basically chucked Jay White into the crowd. But when they got back into the ring, White started healing it up and he smashed it with a DDT through the ropes. He also followed it up with a snap German, Zoe Ein Suplex Indiecker. And then we just had some flatliner fun because Swerve was hitting them and Jay White was hitting them. I mean, why not? Eventually Swerve got bored of that though. and He just murdered White with this lariat to the point that should be the plot of Face Off 2 head off. White then reminded us he is the best asshole because he fainted injury before smacking Strickland and hitting your Uranagi for a one-two-oo. I was like, come on now, who's involved here? That was never going to do Jay instead tried the arm bar, so Strickland was like, nope. He basically stomped on his hand. When White decided, well, last week I had some shenanigans with the referee and I was able to hit somebody in the dick. Well, why don't I do that again? Well, I'll tell you why, because like a real sport, Swerve Strickland had been studying his tape. He knew this was going to happen and he got out of the way. He also smashed him with a house call and the Swerve Stomp. And that was it. One, two, three. <laughs> but it wasn't. Jay White kicked out. Instead, Jay White bit Swerve, which was a little bit weird. And again, Strickland had his blood drunk recently, so maybe it wasn't. And even though he was able to get the Blade Runner, Swerve rolled out of the ring because he knows. And now Jay White was pissed. This is when we got our 15-minute call, so both guys started going for their finishers. And when Jay tried for Blade Runner 2, Electric Boogaloo, Swerve Strickland turned that into the most devastating move in all of sports entertainment. The surprise roll-up, and he got the Uno Dos Tres. And this is why you need to sort of restrict how much you do that finish, because here it works so damn well, and everybody went crazy. We do have to bring down the counter, but flub that who even cares, and Swerve moves up to six points, whereas Jay stays on three. And now I've got a feeling, much like we did in New Japan, he may go on a losing streak as he just gets angrier and angrier and angrier. Honestly, these guys are two top-tier professional wrestlers, and this tournament is gold. The irony... Up. Which did bring us to the end of an AEW Dynamite that I enjoyed muchly. So this week at the moment is flubbing great. War was great, NXT was great, this is great. Just continue to hook it up to my veins. I'm giving it up. Also, please do click ups and downs for Raw, which is on the screen right now. I'd appreciate that. Otherwise, I think that's it. I definitely missed something. I do it too often, though. Just do some interaction, even if it's just finding someone on the street and going, how are you today, sir or ma'am? I bet they'd really appreciate it. 
Goodbye. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas... You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, <laughs> yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Acast powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.